yes sir welcome back it's another edition of for the love of the game it's the one and only nick andre glad to have you guys tuned in with me and we're continuing this this um these nba previews you know the season is right around the corner so we have a lot to discuss a lot of teams to dive into and we're going to discuss another rising team in the eastern conference which is the indiana pacers and i have a very special guest with me who a guy who's been covering the paces for as long as I've known him. I got Mr. Corey, man. What's going on with you, man? Happy, happy to have you on. I'm good, man. Um, this is our second time doing a podcast together. I've yeah, been man. On Twitter for for quite a bit, but um, you know, always enjoy your content, and I'm really happy to be on your new podcast. I'm nah, glad man, to be one of the first that, ones. Man. Definitely appreciate that for sure, man. But let's go. Let's go and get right into it, man. Let's go ahead. Um, well, I'll, I'll give a little recap of what happened last season for the Pacers finished at 35 and 47, which was 11th in the Easter conference. Uh, they had their ups and downs to say the least, you know, I mean, that's what you expect from a young team. They had a five game winning streak at one point in, at the beginning of the year. Then they had a little four game winning streak. I think a little bit, uh, a little bit after that, but just overall, you know, just, I mean, I guess you can say that the team is still in rebuilding mode. Um, Tyrese Halliburton is his first full season with the team. And then of course they have an, they have another bonus of players. So my first question to you is, what was your biggest takeaway from last season for the Pacers? Rebuilds aren't so bad. Uh, that was that was honestly my takeaway was the fact that this is honestly the Pacers. Last year was the Pacers' first, really the first full year in the rebuild, right? Because the year before right. they traded away the bonus for Halliburton. You got rid of Brogdon in the offseason. You pretty much stripped away everything that was a part of those, you know, first-round exit Pacer teams, realistically. Uh, so it was the first year in which you were transitioning to this rebuild and it was year one of a rebuild, but it at moments it felt like it could have been more because that was, that was how talented Halliburton was. That was the young, you know, young guys like Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nemhard on display. You were just starting to see the potential and the funness in this group. So my biggest takeaway is the rebuilds just weren't that bad because it already was an enjoyable experience compared to those those first round exit teams where like you knew the Pacers weren't good enough to compete for a title, but they weren't bad enough to be in the lottery. And that's the exactly. worst place to be is in the middle. So the rebuild honestly was a nice change. I feel like for a lot of us Pacer fans. No, I'm, I'm definitely glad that you brought that up because I mean, obviously people will look at the record and say, Oh man, this team was not any good, but I mean, you mentioned it like, you know, it was fun to watch a lot of the young guys just, you know, continue to grow and just continue to develop it to themselves. So I think we saw a full glimpse of that. This past year, then of course, you know, having a championship head coach and Rick Carlisle definitely did help with the young players and their growth. So I think we're going to expect a little bit more of that this year. So I want to dive into a few of the a few of the new acquisitions. First, I'll start with you know some of the young rookies. Um, they ended up draft, drafting Isaiah Wong, who came out of the University of Miami, and then of course they got a guy like Oscar Shibway, who is known as you know one of the best players in the SEC. You know during his time at Kentucky, so. Have you ever have you had a chance to really take a dive into a lot of the young guys that are now joining the team? Uh, the only one that really that we fought that I put a lot of stock into was was Walker, uh, Jaris Walker, uh, oh. for the for the simple fact of you know he is kind of what they're looking at to be the four. He's he's you know hopefully in two years from now he is the four. But again, I mean they brought Obi Top. We'll talk about Obi Toppin as well. So Toppin obviously is going into camp as the starter. But right. their hope is that Walker can really develop into that kind of versatile player. And they can really just, you know, um, just start, start to build off that and kind of have a young core in terms of Halliburton, Matherin, Nemhard. You have all these young guys in the timeline now for the Pacers isn't for the next four years. So um, 
you know, they have a lot of the potential. There was this guy Shepard as well, who has a lot of shooting potential. They've done a really good job of finding these athletic, versatile guys who can also just stretch the floor. No, I like that as well. I mean, Jared, Jared Walker is another one that that I find really, really impressive. I, I would, I love to see you know what he's going to be able to bring this year. Um, since since you since you brought up Obi Toppin, you know, let's go ahead and talk about him. Obviously, spent his first three seasons with the Knicks, and you know there there was a lot of up and downs for Obi, and I feel like it was really based off of opportunity. You know, I feel like he may have not had the opportunity to really shine. I mean, he definitely had his moments. You know, I think that he's obviously he has the great athleticism, but you know, he's shown that he can space the floor, knock down threes, you know, he can play in the pick and roll. So. How do you think Obi will fit into this team in this upcoming season? Well, uh, I mean, he's he's definitely already hyping up us with what he's kind of labeling the Pacers. He's mentioning a lot of Lob City talk. He, he's so far during the, the media day, he mentioned Lob City three or four times about how this is going to be Lob City. We're going to be running. You know, Halliburton's going to find me. And that's the, an exciting element because right. the Pacers really don't ever have those kind of guys, right? I mean, Paul George was probably the last great dunker, Glenn Robinson the third, who was in a dunk contest. Right. But they really don't have those kind of athletic, high-flying kind of guys. And Obi Toppin really is that kind of guy. Obviously, like you mentioned with the Knicks, three years there, but never really cracked the lineup. We know how Thibodeau is. If you're not you know, a vet and you don't kind of have a, a certain defensive effort to you, he doesn't really have a, a ton of interest in you. Um, so, you know, that, that's one element of this, but I think Toppin is going to be a guy who I'm not sure if he'll be the starter all year long, but I think in terms of athletic ability and this team wanting to really get out and run, he's going to be a great addition uh, to this team. And Halliburton's going to love finding him up around the rim. I think whether he starts or come off the bench, I think he's going to play a crucial role because I mean, it's like we said, I mean, it's, it was really all about opportunities. And what I saw with him in New York is when he did get those opportunities, he showed that he could be valuable, not even just offensively, but defensively as well. So I think, Coach Carlisle will possibly utilize him to his and maximize him to, you know, his greatest potential. I mean, you mentioned, you know, they're going to play a little bit of running gun, obviously with Tyrese Halliburton and, and those two being able to connect. So I think, I think that's something for that. A lot of Pacers fans should be excited to see. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, another guy, Bruce Brown coming off of a championship. I think last year he had his best season, you know, going into Denver, playing a pivotal role on that team. How do you think his experience will be able to help the, the young players on Indiana? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, shout out to Bruce Brown for securing the bag. Pacers had a lot of cap space, so he definitely got his money's worth. Um, you know, Bruce Brown, I, I, I'm familiar with Bruce Brown because I, I watched the Nets pretty intently as well, being in New York. They're always on national, t- uh, not national TV, but local TV. Um, Bruce Brown is a very versatile guy. You know, he can play the four, he can play the three, he can play the two, he can guard multiple positions, is a pretty good playmaker and ball handler. The the three-point shot is questionable because I, I think I saw a stat. I'm, I'm going to miss Corey slightly, but he shoots like 15% from the left corner and like 45% from the right corner, which is which is a little bit abnormal that from one corner he's so much better at shooting than the other. Um, but, but he's really, honestly, a, a glue guy, good personality, will fit in with this team. Um, and they, they needed some of that championship pedigree because, honestly, right now on the roster, the longest – the longest tenured player, of course, is Miles Turner. Um, I believe Miles Turner is also the oldest right now. But right. Bruce Brown is probably the most, obviously, does he, he's a champion, has the most experience of anyone on this roster when it comes to playoff success. No, I like it. I think I think it's a really big pickup. I mean, I know I know he's still relatively young, but you know, for him to have that, not even just championship experience, you know, with him being in, being in the playoffs, you know, with Brooklyn, you know, with that team with KD, Kyrie, James Harden, those guys, you know, so he he understands you know, what it takes to, you know, be able to win at a high level, how to get through a regular season, how to be healthy and everything. So 
I think I think this young team really needs a guy that's somebody who's not necessarily too old, but you know has experience and understands understands what it takes to win. So I'm I'm definitely excited to see you know what he's able to bring this year. Um, I want to talk about defense a little bit because I um, I had a chance to watch a lot of the media day interviews and it seems like everybody I seem like it seemed like during training camp everybody was preaching defense. You know they they were ranked uh, 23 in defense last year with a 117 defensive rating. So. What was your takeaway from the Pacers defensively last year, and how do you think that'll get better, you know, going into this year? I mean, defensively, they were bad last year. There's mm-hmm. no joke about it. Um, you know, I don't want to, 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 you know, talk badly about Buddy Heal too bad, but Buddy Heal's like a, you know, a traffic cone when it comes to defense. Like there is no defense. He 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 doesn't play much. So actually, I think him going to the bench unit um, may hurt the offense slightly, but it's it's a better defensive strategy for this team with him not being in the starting unit. Um, Because, again, he's also a little bit undersized to be playing that three. Halliburton, defensively, obviously, last year, not great. Just doesn't have a great lateral quickness to him. We saw that a little bit, too, um, you know, during the the Olympics or the U.S. FIBA tour, um, that his defense still kind of struggles at times. And, again, Miles Turner is a great rim protector, but they do rely on that rim protection too much because guys get burned all the time. So, obviously, last year, you want to do almost everything completely different. I know, as you mentioned, media day, they were talking a lot about defense. They're also currently doing like a 1v1 tournament at the end of practice currently, which uh, Matherin and Obi Toppin have both cited as really good defensive workouts because um, you're really focusing, obviously, on that one-on-one matchup. You want to win it. You have to focus on your defense in regards to it. Um, so the defense needs to get better. There's no question about it. You you can't be that bad on defense and have these shootouts where you're scoring you know, 100. 10 points each it's not it's just not sustainable and it's not playoff winning basketball so really for this team it's going to be how can they start to work on some switchability how can Halliburton Matherin grow both those guys are crazy offensively talented can they start to add some defense to it maybe not you know defensive stoppers but just competent defenders that's really right. the big thing is these young guys becoming competent on that end no I definitely agree with that and it's it's funny because I mean, I've always known Rick Carlisle, you know, especially, you know, even during his earlier times, you know, with the Pacers, even like during the 2000s, like I've always kind of known him to be like to preach defense. Yeah. So, you know, for for a team to be, you know, one of the bottom ranks, you know, in defense, I mean, obviously, obviously we know that the team is still young, but I definitely hope that's something that they can, you know, improve upon, you know, heading into this season. Yeah. I mean, again, last year, too, a lot of young guys. I mean, this, this exactly. team doesn't have a lot of veterans on it. And the veterans they do have are, you know, like Daniel, Daniel Tice is one of the vets of the team. So, again, um, they, they just don't have a, a ton of a ton of vets who are playing big role. It's all young guys who are still trying to figure out roles and figure out schemes and everything else. Exactly. Um, let's talk about Miles Turner a little bit because, you know, it's like you mentioned to me. He is the oldest guy and it seems crazy because he's only 27 years old. Um, you know, there was obviously rumors throughout the past few years about him possibly leaving, especially, you know, especially, you know, when – they were looking to rebuild, you know, especially, you know, with Sabonis heading out with a lot of other guys heading out and he just so happened to stay. He actually signed a two year extension last year, averaged around 18.7 and a half rebounds, almost two and a half blocks, shot 55 percent from the floor. So I guess my question is, you know, how important because, I mean, he, he's been a guy that's been around forever. You know, he has the playoff experience. He knows what it takes to win. So how do you think his importance is to this team as the veteran and possibly helping these young guys? I mean, it's crucial, and I think the biggest thing for him as well now is he doesn't have to worry about these trade conversations. Right. He's, he knows he's staying in Indiana. He doesn't have to worry about if this team's looking to move him. They've instilled the confidence in him that he is their guy at center. They've done everything to make him feel like it's his spot. They've they've positioned the team in a sense of there's a, a positive direction that benefits him. The, the Pacers having 
the ability to stretch out the floor with a playmaker like Halliburton, someone who's also very good in the pick and roll. It's the perfect combination for a guy like Miles Turner. And now hopefully, like we've just mentioned, the, the defense gets better. Then he can showcase more on that end. The, the only issue really with me and Miles Turner is just some of the rebounding stuff. The, the rebounding is where he struggles, especially against those bigger guys like Joel Embiid. But as the veteran guy on this team, he has been there through the Paul, the end of the Paul George years, the Victor Oladipo years, and now this iteration. Again, him being with the Pacers his entire career I think is very important. So I think that kind of role is it's just fitting because he's gone through all three of these stages where he was the rookie, where he was a growing player. And now he's one of the faces of the franchise. And again, right. um, he, he's an absolute stud and he always seems to, to, to say the right thing as well. Um, through all those trade rumors, there wasn't one time where uh, miles Turner got angry or nasty or made, you know, made a fool of himself. So I think that also bodes well as well, just for those younger guys to show how you can handle the league professionally. Do you feel like in a way, because I mean, you mentioned, you know, like, you know, his rebounding and everything. Do you feel like in a way he doesn't really get that proper respect, you know, especially as far as, you know, centers around the NBA, as far as, you know, what he's able to do? Uh, I mean, to a degree, I, mean, I saw uh, I saw one of those, you know, ranking centers before the league and they had him top five. And I feel, I feel validated if people have Miles Turner in their top five centers because I've been on uh, this Miles Hill, this Miles Turner Hill since, since he came into the league. Um, but the rebounding, I mean, I don't know if it's, he doesn't get the, the respect. Um, it's just, you know, I think it's just one of those things where it doesn't, his play style, maybe just not around in better positions. I honestly, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's about a respect thing. I just think against certain guys, especially bigger bodies, he just struggled. Like Joel Embiid has Miles Turner's number. I mean, I think Joel Embiid has almost dominated him in every single matchup and specifically in the rebounding category. He's just not a, not a, I don't want to say a soft guy because he's not soft at all. Right. I just think him not having that kind of weight to throw around down there just hurts his ability to rebound. No, I get that. I definitely get that. Um, talk about Benedict, Benedict Matherin, um, who had a really impressive rookie. I thought he was one of the best rookies in the NBA. Yeah. Averaged nearly 17 points a game, four rebounds, shot 43% from the floor. You can see early on, you know, he has that confidence, especially coming out of Arizona. You know, obviously he's a high player. He can play above the rim, but also he showed flashes of, even being a perimeter score. I know that's something that he relatively he can still work on, but just for him to show that confidence early, I thought it was really impressive. So what were your biggest takeaways from Benedict's uh, rookie season? How can he carry that over to his sophomore campaign? I mean, he's a stud. Um, he, he's an absolute, he's an absolute stud. Um, I don't know if you recall, but last year when they played against the Lakers for the first time, they asked Benedict Matherin, like, what do you think or how do you feel about getting the chance to play against LeBron James, the best player ever? And what Benedict Matherin said is he's going to have to show me he's the best player. I remember and, that, yeah. Yeah, so it's just funny having a rookie with that kind of confidence and that kind of chip on his shoulder. Um, I know there's a couple memes that Pacers Twitter has in which he's got kind of like the LeBron game six in Boston kind of mean mug when he's hunched over. He's got, he just, he has that dog in him. Like, that's honestly the best thing you can say about him. It's a guy who wants to get better. He was, I think, top 10 in the league last year as a rookie in terms of drawing free throws. He attacks the basket relentlessly. He is fantastic at doing that. He just needs to develop the three point shot. That just needs to get a little bit better. And then the effort on defense. I think, like, when it comes to, tenacity and wanting to defend he has that it's just about getting in the better position defensively understanding how to fight when to fight over a screen when to go under a screen i just think it's those simple things on defense that he needs to work on but i, I think for him again another guy sophomore year upcoming 
I wouldn't be shocked if he is in like the top five for most improved players of the year this year. I can see it happening. I can see. I mean, it's like it's like we mentioned. You know, the confidence is obviously there. You know, he shows that he has no fear. Obviously, there are some weaknesses to his game, but you know, for him to exploit those weaknesses, you know, like it's like you say, you know, the perimeter scoring, three point scoring, being able to go um, under screens and everything. Like to me, like even though he has a lot of things that he needs to work on, I think that he acknowledges that, and I think that you know he tries to thrive and get better at that. You know, you know, every day. So that's, I mean, that's something that's very impressive to me. So, do you possibly see him? being a full-time starter soon because I know right now, I mean, he only, he only started for 17 games last year. Do you possibly see him, you know, being moved up into the starting lineup soon? Like so, um, yeah. So actually, um, he actually is the starter right now in training camp. Okay. He, he's listed as the starter. So again, um, I would imagine, you know, knock on wood, he doesn't play his way out of that lineup. Uh, but they're definitely positioning him to be the starting small forward for this team or the shooting guard. Because um, I, I believe the current five they're running to start training camp is Halliburton, uh, Bruce Brown, Matherin, Toppin, and Turner. That's the starting five for training camp. Um, so I would expect that to be the starting five for the regular season as well. So, yes. And again, Matherin having those kind of numbers when he primarily came off the bench, I think is also promising for a rookie. And also, Rick Carlin didn't play much shit with Matherin. Like when Matherin got tunnel vision offense, he pulled him. When he didn't, like when he showed some lazy effort on defense, he pulled him. He was really quick to 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 coach hard on Matherin in a lot of situations last year, and I think that was important too for what we're going to see this upcoming year uh, from Matherin. I expect him to be averaging over twenty points per game. I think he's going to be a starter, and um, I really don't have much of concerns about him because he just has that kind of that determination to him, or you know, he's just going to get better and better. Nah, honestly, that that's not a bad starting lineup there. I, I like it a lot. I think there's yeah. a lot of versatility as far as that starting lineup. So, I, I mean, we, we we would definitely hope that it sticks around. But you know, it's like you say, I mean, Carlisle does make adjustments a lot. So, you know, we'll definitely see if that's if that's the starting you know starting lineup for you know for the future to come. So, uh, let's let's dive into Halley a little bit because, you know, this is I'll be really he's one of my personal favorites. You know, and even yeah. when he was playing in Sacramento. I was on record saying like, man, like he need. I think that he needs to have the keys to a franchise. You know, I mm-hmm. obviously, you know, with him playing behind De'Aaron Fox, I knew that that wasn't going to happen. So once that trade went down last year, that sense of bonus to Sacramento and sent Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Hill to Indiana, I, I finally knew that he was going to be able to be the franchise player. And I think even last year he showed flashes of that. And I think he just improved tremendously offensively, you know, being able to score off the dribble. His three-point shot got a lot better. He shot 40% from three this past year so. What were your biggest takeaways on Tyrese Halliburton last year? I mean, uh, anyone who knows me, I've been dying for the Pacers to have a true pass-first point guard. Uh, George Hill, I never had, I just never had much love for George Hill because he was a combo guard. He was a combo guard who had to play point guard, and that's just you know, combo guards are great. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But when you there's a difference between a, a point guard who is getting everyone involved. Can, can run a, a very clean pick and roll, can push the tempo, knows when to slow it down, can move the ball in the half court. Again, I, I call Tyrese Halliburton the point god 2.0. He is the next you know type of Chris Paul that the league has in which he is constantly getting everyone around him involved and getting the best out of them. He probably needs to be a little bit more aggressive offensively because even though he averaged 20 points per game, if he was a little bit more aggressive with his own shot, he probably could have averaged 24-25. Um, and again, he, he is an absolutely special talent. We saw that also with Team USA over the summer. Sure. Um, 
I, I don't want Nick fans to, to, to kill anyone over this, but like I would take Halliburton over Jalen Brunson any day of the week. And I think Team USA showcased, even though Steve Kerr had some questionable coaching rotation decisions, Definitely. That, that team was way better when Halliburton was running the show than Jalen Brunson. Um, which, again, two different players, both very good, no question about it. But the way Halliburton orchestrates an offense is so, so special. It is what Jokic can do at the center position. It's what LeBron has done his entire career. That type of maestroness on offense is so beautiful and rare. And again, he is still only entering year four of his career. Impressive. This flat out impressive, man. To me, and like, like I say, you know, I'm, I'm a, like, he's one of my personal favorites to watch. Like, I think that he has a chance to possibly, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be a top five point guard. I don't Hype, know, me just, Hype me up. Hype me up. I'm saying like, it's like, I don't know. It's like, I don't, I don't want to go top five, but it's like, I think, you know, when you look at, you know, how gifted of a passer he is. And then, of course, you know, with him improving, you know, just scoring-wise. I mean, if, if he does become more assertive at that, like if he can average maybe around like 24 a game, I don't know, like maybe 24 and 8 or 24 and 10, I think that I think that'll really help him, like really eclipse that, eclipse as one of the best point guards. So do you believe that he could possibly emerge as like one of the best point guards in the NBA? I mean, yeah, I, I think no question about it. I mean, there, I mean, honestly, when you, when you made this, when you asked me this, where you sent me this itinerary or the, you know, the list of what we we're going to talk about, I started just thinking about like, the top 10 point guards. Like how many point guards would I honestly not take or would I take over Halliburton? And there's really only like eight for sure point guards. I feel like that I'm taking over Halliburton or seven point guards. Like he's already a top 10 point guard in my mind. And again, I know I'm a Pacers fan, so it might be slightly biased, but there aren't that many guys, in my opinion, better than him when it comes to orchestrating an offense. The defense, that's fair. If the two-way point guards, they have an edge on Halliburton at this stage of his career because that's just an edge, an area where he needs to get better. And he knows he needs to get better. He, he's a little bit small. He, he's mentioned he doesn't like lifting weights, doesn't like working out. So, like, there's certain aspects of his game he needs to work on. But, um, yeah, I think top five, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility that at the end of this season we're like, man, Tyrese Halliburton's the third best point guard in the NBA behind Curry and Lillard, for, you know, or somebody, or Curry and Kyrie, or something like that. Right, it's crazy because I, I don't, even, I really don't even want to play this game, but I want to kind of ask this. So you, you mentioned that you would pick him over Jalen Brunson. Like, is there any other young point guard that you believe that Tyrese Halliburton is better than right now? Yeah, Trey Young. I'll say Trae right Young. now, Trey Young. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I, I would okay. take Halliburton over Trey Young, and it's again, it's nothing against Trey Young, but again, both very bad defenders. But Trey Young, yeah. a little bit shorter, so I'll take the guy who's six five over the guy who's six foot when there's a defensive issue. And then, I mean, again, passing wise, they're both phenomenal playmakers. Obviously, Trey Young averages double doubles, uh, just as easy as as Tyrese Halliburton. Um, but again, for for me, I just have a gripe on Trey Young simply because the three point shooting has really kind of nosedived at least last it has. year. It did. It has. Um, so that area of his game needs to get better for me to think he's better than Tyrese Halliburton personally. I get that, and I respect that. Um, what is the future of Buddy Hill with this franchise? Because, and I'll be honest, I'll just I'll just speak my piece. So when when the trade first went down last year, I kind of already knew that. I mean, Buddy Hill is a good player. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't know if he was going to be one of the long term pieces for the Pacers. And recently, we've been seeing him a lot. You know, in a lot of trade rumors and everything. So, do you believe that Buddy Hill has a future with this team? And if he doesn't, you know, do you possibly see him being moved sometime this season or maybe next season? I mean, so the Buddy Heel thing, it, it's really 
it's kind of complicated. It's like an interested layer because him and him and Tyrese Halliburton are really good friends. Right. Um, they have this fantastic back and forth where pretty much it's like older brother, little brother shit talking is basically what they do all the time to each other. Um, but but the issue with Buddy Heald is, is, is the, it all comes down to the money and how much he wants and the role he wants. The organization and all their statements have said that they want Buddy Heald here. They value his his role in the locker room. They value his three-point shooting. Don't know how much of that is, you know, saving face and just positioning for, you know, better value and deals. Um, he has made no comments about wanting out or wanting to go to, to a specific location, despite there are some rumblings that there's a Twitter account, 242 Boss, that is a Buddy Heald burner, where he pretty okay. much just says, send me to the Dallas Mavericks all the time. I don't know. Again, that's all speculation about it. That is a burner for Buddy Heald. Um, but yeah, I, I think if there's not a contract extension set up by the deadline, he's going to be probably dealt this deadline. Would be my guess. So they'll have some. They'll have some time to try and work out a deal to kind of come together because I know Buddy also wanted to be a starter. Um, obviously, so far in training camp, he's not. So we'll right. see if that changes. But if Buddy wants to be a starter and, and to make twenty million a year, it probably won't be with the Pacers. Um, but they'll have to see how this works out. If I had to guess, I would say I'm I'm 85% sure he's dealt to the deadline. I can definitely see that too. And I, I just feel like he may be a better fit with the contender because, I mean, you know, even though the Pacers are a good team, I think that, you know, obviously they're still on the rise. And it's actually crazy. that I, I didn't even know that he was 30 years old already, which is crazy. But, you know, I feel like I feel like at this stage in his career, I think that he would fit better, especially being a starting two-guard for a playoff contender or a championship contender. So I could definitely see that happening, um, you know, possibly by the trade deadline. And, you know, we'll just see what, what the trade package, what the trade package can look like. It could be um, too. Just not the, one more thing. It could be too, like depending on the Pacers success, right? Like if they have early success and they're like in a playoff hunt, they may say, yeah, we really don't want to add pieces to go, you know, we're not pushing contending for I mean, Let's just run this roster out. Right. Um, so that's, you know, and then if they fluster and they, they fall apart and they're, they're terrible to start this year, they might be like, all right, let's just get Buddy Hield out of here and get, you know, some more assets for the future. No, I get that. I definitely get that. Um, I know I mentioned, you know, just some of the, some of the players on the roster. Is there any other player that you're excited to watch this year in particular? Uh, Andrew Nemhard. Uh, backup. Guys. Yeah, the backup point. I mean, obviously he had that big game winner against the Lakers last year. Um, Played an extended role when Tyrese Halliburton missed a month and a half, month of the season um, after that injury against the Knicks, in which uh, the Pacers went on to I think win one game in their next fifteen after he got hurt. Uh, but seeing Nemhard as arguably the Pacers' second best perimeter defender, um, you know he is he is an extremely talented point guard who on many teams probably could be a, a starting point guard at some point in his career. We'll see how this plays out with him being the backup. Um, but he is, he is very good. So I, I'm excited to see what kind of jump he takes offensively because his jump, sh- his jump shot was very inconsistent, especially in the back half of last year. We know rookies kind of hit that, you know, that wall Real halfway wall, yeah. through the season. Yeah. And he hit it hard. He was really good in the first half. And then it felt like after he had to play that extended minute with Halliburton gone, his, his jump shot just never really got formed before the end of the year. Uh, honestly, I'll be real. Like he, he caught my attention after the Laker game, like right after, right after he hit that game when I was like, you know what? I may need to pay a little bit more attention. And he's he's really impressive. I really I really love you know I really love the style that he plays with, and I think I think that he's a really good piece for the Pacers moving forward. So, yeah. my last question before we get out of here, we're gonna make a prediction. So, where do you believe the Pacers will finish in the Eastern Conference this year? Um, 
Can I give you record and and status? Because I don't know if we're seeding wise. I don't know seeding wise. Oh, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, you're okay. good. Okay. So I, 42 and 40. Okay. I think they have a, a over 500 record and they're in the playing tournament. I don't know if that's a, a eight seed. I don't know if that's a nine seed. Last year, you know, I think how it broke out is, you know, the Hawks were the seventh seed at 41 and 41. So this is within the playing range. So I'm thinking 42 and 40. What about you? I like that. I definitely like that. Um, I might go 41 to 41, just to be safe. I mean, which is exactly yeah. 500. But yeah. I, I can definitely see them making the plan. Like, I mean, I think, you know, especially when you look at that bottom tier, like when you look at Atlanta, um, who else was in the playing tournament last Miami. year? Miami. Uh, Miami was there, too. Uh, they might move uh, They might move ahead. I don't know. And then Chicago. Uh, and then Chicago. Chicago, too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think the paces are pretty much right there, you know, in a conversation. I mean, I think that they're definitely a better team than Charlotte right now. Uh, Detroit has, you know, a lot of young asses, but I, I think that they're probably a year away from really making noise. Orlando's kind of the same in the same position as well. So I think the paces, I think, I think they have what it takes to possibly make the plan. I think they could possibly sneak in that, that 10 seed, maybe, maybe 10 seed yeah. right there. Like, yeah. I mean, cause I mean, last, last year they finished 11, so they were right there. So I think this year they, I think they can really make the 10 seed. This is, possibly, my fun, this is my fun no thing about that. So they finished 11th, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember, before Tyrese Halliburton got hurt on January 14th or 15th, that, yeah. they were fourth. They were up there, yeah. I'm not saying they would have finished up there by any means, but they were playing well above what anyone expected before he got hurt. So my whole thinking is as long as he stays healthy, we should stick to that, you know, like I said, like you said, 10 to 8 range. I think we're we're, we're knocking on that door. That's you know it's so funny. I actually forgot about that. They were up there, like you know, as far as the playoff city used to come right right before he got hurt. So yeah, I mean that definitely showed like like the improvement of the team overall. And then of course you know his impact. So I love it. You know I think I think that this is going to be another improved year for the Pacers, and I'm I'm excited to see you know where they can go. But Corey, I definitely appreciate you for joining me on this episode, man. You know definitely got to have you on once again. Um, definitely let the people know where to find you and you know where to find your work. Yeah, for sure. Um, you guys can find me on. Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, it's still Twitter in my mind, uh, at just underscore K-Wall, just underscore K-Wall, which is K-W-A-L. Um, have a new podcast coming out soon. Haven't really figured out quite the, the final name of it, um, but we're going to have that coming out right before the NBA season starts, which is right around the corner. I can't believe we're already at the end of it's 2023 crazy. and the basketball man. season's here. Like, man, time flies. It's crazy. I think this offseason kind of went by pretty quick. And, it felt like it, it, man. I'm yeah. not kidding. It's like summer league feels like it was like a long time ago, and it was exactly. That's a thing too. But I mean, like I said, I'm I'm super excited, man. That you know there, there was a preseason game today with uh with Minnesota and Dallas. So I mean that definitely just you know sparked you know a lot of a lot of excitement out of me as far as you know with the NBA season coming back. So I'm definitely happy. But definitely be in tune for the new podcast by Corey, which will be hopefully soon. Um, Make sure to follow us on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. I love the TGB ball. Follow myself at Nick under ATR. Appreciate all the support. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on all platforms. And until next time, deuces.